morning, everyone, and welcome into Wake and Take. It's your boy, Jason, and we have some football to talk about today. We've got Isaiah Pacheco updates. Justin Fields is getting cocky. Jordan Addison is being stupid and plenty, plenty more things to talk about today. So why don't we sit back, relax, sip our coffee and enjoy the show. So good morning, everyone. Thanks for popping into the chat, Jamie. Thanks for popping into the chat, Snowman. Glad to see you guys as always. Let's go ahead and talk about some of the actual news. And we'll start things off with Jordan Addison. Jordan Addison yesterday was charged with reckless speeding, I believe, or what? Yeah, reckless driving in general. He was going 140 miles per hour in a 55 mile per hour speed limit area in his brand new Lamborghini. You know, if you get a big you get a big check, you fi- you sign your first million dollar contract. Yes, a Lamborghini is not the worst thing in the world to buy. You would hope maybe, just maybe, that Jordan Addison would have a better financial manager. Uh, But it is what it is. I'm glad. I'm extremely glad no one got hurt. I don't think anything will come to this in the Jordan Addison side besides maybe a stark yelling from the coach. Uh, Kevin O'Connell might get onto him or something. Uh, But considering no one was hurt, he didn't get arrested. He just got a ticket. Um, I'm sure he'll be fine. It's just, you know, you don't like to see knucklehead behavior with a rookie. That is kind of the big thing here is who knows how much more there is with this guy. Hopefully it's a learning lesson uh, and he can move on from it and not do something like this again. And hopefully if he does do it again, he gets away with not hurting someone again because going 140 and a 55 is plain and simple stupid and it can hurt people, can hurt yourself, uh, and it just something that shouldn't be done at all. You know, a little joke here. It's perhaps he was just overcompensating for his 19th percentile speed score. You know, just feeling like he's not that fast, had to go drive 100 miles per hour over the speed limit to make up for it. That is the story, the story of Jordan Addison. We will keep locked in. If anything happens, I will let you guys know. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Theo. Theo pops in, t- calls me to Steve Jobs of Fantasy says I'm crushing it. I appreciate it, man. I wish I could crush it as much as you are, Theo. You are killing it every single day. Just giving out tons of ideas, staying on top of everyone, doing great work for Player Profiler. So always good to see you, man. Always good to see you. Um, Let's see. Let's go ahead and move on. Something really quick, just because we're in the Scott Fishbowl season right now. Michael Badgley, Detroit Lions kicker, was actually released which was kind of a surprising move. Granted, he's been with the franchise for a decent bit and not a bad kicker, but he was actually released. Uh, And this is kind of in response to the Lions bringing in Parker Romo, who was an XFL all-star, essentially made the all-XFL team as a kicker. And also they have Riley Patterson brought in for this training camp as well. So just a little bit of a kicker competition. They went ahead and said, Badgley, you're out of here. Now, there are two potential explanations here, and this is from the Detroit Lions website. They've made a great point. One of the explanations, I think, is because Michael Badgley is a veteran. He will immediately go to an unrestricted free agent upon release so that the Lions would still have a chance to bring him back if they have to. If they were to release either Romo or Patterson, then they would become a restricted free agent, meaning other teams would have the opportunity to sign them if they wanted to. Granted, that's still the case with Badgley, but the Lions will still have another chance if they do want to bring him back in. 
it seems like it was potentially making a roster spot for Denzel Mims to see what he has uh, without really having to clear any actual important position. I love myself some kickers, but you, you shouldn't have three on your roster right now, right? I mean, that's just way too many. So Michael Badgley out of here. If you took him as a flyer in your Scott Fishbowl, I'm sorry, but it sounds like you'll be able to drop him and get Riley Patterson or Parker Romo. So should be totally okay. Let's move on now. Let's go to move on now to the biggest news story of the week. Now that we've done some warm-ups, let's go ahead and talk about the Commanders because yesterday it was official. Dan Snyder is gone. It was a unanimous decision to approve the sale. $6.05 billion, more money than anyone will ever see in their entire life, is how much this franchise cost. It was uh, bought by a group led by Josh Harris. Uh, what's going to happen with the Commanders? Well, they'll be in better ownership hands. As you guys remember, this offseason, there was a basically an undercover story about how teams treated their players and staff and everything. And the commanders were at the bottom of that list in terms of the way the organization is run. So hopefully that changes. It seems that there's already a positive vibe shift. I found a tweet. Josh Harris called into a local radio show that I assume was hosted at a bar or whatever and bought everyone a beer at the bullpen and old ox brewery i'm assuming that those are some local places uh, where people you know go drink around the commander stadium and the new owner bought everyone there last night a beer around on him which i think is awesome that's a great way to start your tenure as an owner of a team it is also continuing to i've seen now two reports magic johnson himself came out and said that they're probably going to change the name and also espn's don venata jr said that the commanders are also probably going to change their name as well they want to do a rebrand they want to essentially this was the quote i think there's a pretty good chance of that changing the name to erase any part of the snyder legacy to have a complete do-over so basically they wanted to buy this team and then just completely erase anything that Dan Snyder ever had to do with it, which is just awesome. Dude was an absolute terrible owner, terrible human as well. Tons and tons of bad stuff continue to come out on him. Investigation saying he was holding out money uh, that was supposed to you know, be split around the NFL. Of course, the sexual harassment and assault allegations against him as well. Just so many bad things that Snyder's done. And I am so glad to say that he is finally gone. And it seems that while, of course, billionaires aren't normally the coolest people in the world, Josh Harris seems to be a neat guy buying everyone a beer. So we'll leave it at that. We'll see what happens with the commanders. It sounds like a positive shift into the right direction. And that's what you love to see. Everyone loves good football teams all around. More good football teams, the better. Am I right, fellas? Am I right? <laughs> let's go ahead and talk a little bit about, let's do Justin Fields. Let's do Justin Fields because he, as I mentioned at the top of the show, is getting cocky right now. He went on to CBS Sports this week and told Bryant McFadden that he will be the first quarterback in Bears history to throw for 4,000 yards. Not only that, he said he's doing it this year. Currently, Eric Kramer, Bears quarterback, has the record for most passing yards in a season with 3,838 in 1990. Five. And the Bears are also the only organization in the league that has never had a 4,000-yard passer. Justin Fields wants to be the first, but man, is he going to have to do a lot. Last year, he only had 2,000 passing yards, was averaging a 130-point game. So that's severely going to have to go up. If you've listened to my friend Matty Kiewel at all, you know that he believes that Bears offense, passing in particular, will go off with the addition of Deniston Moore. Uh, but 
you know, that to me is also still a long stretch. 4,000 yards is a lot of yards, especially for a guy who didn't even crack 2,500 last year. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. I do love the uh, the positive attitude, though. I mean, I, for one, am a fan of cockiness when you earn it in this sport. And Justin Fields had a fantastic year last year. So he's allowed to be a little bit confident. We'll see what happens with the passing game. I hope it works out for him. I mean, if that happens, guys, before we move on, if that happens, DJ Moore is not only a value, but Cole Komet is a value. Darnell Mooney is a value. And there's an off chance that even Chase Claypool could be a value, but I would probably limit that to best ball formats. But if this Bears offense, and this is kind of something I've talked about a few times in this show, you have to complete your takes. I see people all the time say one thing, they give a take, and they're very convicted in that take, and yet they don't go full circle with it. So I see a lot of people saying, DJ Moore is going to unlock this Bears passing offense, and then they're only going to draft DJ Moore. That's not how it works. If you believe the Bears passing offense is going to get unlocked, that means that Darnell Mooney is a value. That means Cole Komet is a value. Plus DJ Moore is probably a value. You can't just end it at DJ Moore. You can't just do that. You've got to get the other guys involved too if that's the take that you're going with. And that happens all over the fantasy football space as people give half takes half takes and not the rest of it follow through on your takes everyone if you're convicted in something go full circle that's how you win your fantasy football championships for sure for sure for sure go all the way around because you can find value every single time um (laughs) jay said jason said eric kramer and i immediately thought of the guy from seinfeld (laughs) could you imagine if i just turned this into a seinfeld show just started talking about seinfeld for like 15 minutes That'd be pretty funny. Not doing it. Not doing it. Uh, but yeah, Notorious J says, call him out, Jason. No half-assing. This is what I mean. Go all the way around. No half-assing your take. For real. For real, for real. There's so much value to be found when you actually complete what you're talking about. Speaking of value, tons of value to be found in the Kansas City Chiefs offense outside of Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. Which receiver do you want to take? Well, of course, the rumors are out that Sky Moore is the one you want to take. But I'm finding some fun quotes about Rasheed Rice right now. Let me read this off to you because I just think it's hilarious and I think it's fun. Uh, Rasheed Rice yesterday told reporters at practice, uh, Andy Reid is expecting us to be able to run as long as we can. And I don't mind puking. That just means I'm working as hard as I can, so I won't puke anymore and be ready for the games. So essentially, Rasheed Rice is leaving it all out there right now. I, I'm, I'm picturing that Rasheed Rice is running a sprint, throwing up, running another sprint, throwing up, and that's cool. Good for him. Um, he continues, during the summer through the break, I've been meeting with Shane Bukele every day, every morning, running routes, putting the ball at each hash so we could work on two-minute drills. He also mentioned studying the Andy Reid playbook. He's been meeting with Shane during every possible break, getting a head start with him because he's a quarterback and Shane can't take a break from the playbooks. Every day I'm meeting Shane in his dorm to go over plays before the next day. So of course Rasheed Rice isn't really working with Patrick Mahomes on this, but I still love to see the effort, not only on the throwing up on the field because he's running too much, but also to go learn the playbook with a backup quarterback on the team. Every single chance he's get he's getting, Rasheed Rice is working. And if you guys will remember, earlier this way can take season. I was talking about how Rasheed Rice does have a pretty decent pathway to success just because he profiles so differently 
from the rest of the wide receivers on this Chiefs team. He's not going to take anything from Sky Moore. He's not going to take anything from Evies. He's not going to take anything uh, from Kadarius Toney. And he's not going to take anything from Travis Kelsey. Rasheed Rice will have a Rasheed Rice role. He's got a more traditional profile. And I think that that should mean some success. I, I am taking some shots on him, uh, probably still after Sky Moore or Kadarius Tony, but I'm definitely taking Rice before some MVS. And I don't blame yourself if you want to get some exposure because I do think that he'll be fine. And I love this work that he's putting in. Love the work that he's putting in. Another chief that is, of course, putting in tons of work is the doggiest dog in the NFL. There, I've said it. Isaiah Pacheco is an absolute beast. I love him so much. As we know, earlier this week, there were some concerns that he might land on the pup list to start training camp, but he has worked through it. He played through the Super Bowl with a torn labrum and broken hand, played through those injuries, won a Super Bowl, got surgery on them, and is saying now, and the quote, I will absolutely be ready for week one. And he continues and says he plans to rush for over a thousand yards this season. That'll be the first time a Chiefs running back had a thousand yards since Kareem Hunt did it in 2017. He says that's the goal. It starts here today. I love Isaiah Pacheco, man. What a quote. It starts here today. I'm absolutely going to be ready for week one. I'm going for a thousand yards. I'm telling you guys, the sixth, seventh round where he's going right now, way too good of a value. Go get him. Jarek McKinnon will not be as fantasy relevant as he was last year. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, we already know, sucks. If I'm taking a chance on a Chiefs running back not named Isaiah Pacheco, I'm saying it again, and I'm sorry, Jay, you told me to stop putting this name in the show, but Daneric Prince is the Chiefs running back that I'm going to take, take a chance on if it's not Isaiah Pacheco. But Isaiah Pacheco is the one to roster. I love him a ton. He's going to have a great year. And I do believe that he's basically going to be the franchise back for this team. The coaches love him. He's a hard worker. He runs like he's angry at every single person in the entire world every single time. So it's just really, really great stuff. He's a great running back. Shout out Isaiah Pacheco. Shout out Isaiah Pacheco. Next up, guys, I've got to put some Falcons propaganda in this show. As you guys know, love myself some Falcons propaganda. And really, this probably should have been Desmond Ritter that I'm talking about. But talking about Kyle Pitts too, because here's a quote from Desmond Ritter. Obviously, Drake and I had a great connection last year. For myself and Kyle, we didn't get as many reps as we'd like last year. As you remember, Kyle Pitts got injured before Ritter got to start. Uh, but Ritter goes on to say that he's trying to develop that relationship with Kyle Pitts. He's playing golf with him on the weekends, working on the crafts and practice together, and he's growing the connection both on and off the field. That is what you love to see, especially considering they didn't get to play together at all last year. So them going out, playing golf, getting drinks, working together in practice extra is going to work out for them. Again, guys, Kyle Pitts is the Falcons receiver receiving option that I'm taking a chance on. I'm not really going to take a chance on Drake London this year. I think Kyle Pitts is the one that you're going to want. And I really do think he's finally, finally going to hit. Uh, and Ritter also goes on and just says, the easiest thing for me is just putting it where they can get it. Because they're so big, they can cover a wide range of area. In fact, it's hard to miss them. So I just think that Desmond Ritter gets it, right? He's just got to throw it to them. Kyle Pitts, Drake London, they're both tall dudes with great catch radiuses. They're going to go up and get it. And I'm just excited for this Falcons offense, guys. Desmond Ritter, a value. Kyle Pitts, probably a value, too, in redraft leagues. Go get them. Go get Bijan Robinson as well. This Falcons team is going to surprise a lot, a lot of people. 
another team that's probably going to surprise some people, although people are, you know, kind of getting wise to it now. Yesterday, James Jones from Fox, Fox Sports went on uh, a TV show <laughs> and said, we're, uh, he talked with Todd Munkin, Todd Munkin, and he said, we're taking Lamar Action Jackson back to Louisville. It's four wide. He's going to throw this thing. Yes, T-H-A-N-G. Another thing that I'm hearing out of camp is that Zay Flowers is the best wide receiver out there, including Odell Beckham, and it ain't close. Now, I want to credit Jack Cavanaugh, the player profiler today, man. Go check out his show. He knows what he's talking about. He knows his stuff. He tweeted in response to this tweet about Zay Flowers being the best wide receiver out there and said, to be fair, Odell Beckham has only practiced like two days and Rashad Bateman hasn't had any of the practices. It's great news, but pump the brakes. And he's right. He's right. If Zay Flowers is the best wide receiver out of Devin DuVernay and Nelson Aguilar, of course, of course he is. <laughs> of course he is. If I was hearing anything different, I would be pretty scared right now if I rostered Zay Flowers of Devin DuVernay and Nelson Aguilar were looking better than him. So nothing too much to glean from this, except for the fact that the Ravens are expected to run four wide receiver sets. Uh, probably Mark Andrews is included in that wide receiver. So four wide, not wide receiver sets, but four wide. Mark Andrews, Odell Beckham, Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman, all of them out there. And I think it's smart to take away the design runs. I mean, I'm sure they'll still have some, but we do see that scrambling seems to work a little bit better, especially if you're going to have four wides out there. You're really taking all the corners and the defensive backs away to where Lamar Jackson's going to be able to run for five yards of play. And that really, 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 really does add up. So, guys, go get your Ravens receivers, but most importantly, get Lamar Jackson. And finally, guys, I just want to give a round of applause. We have an NFL first. Oh, NFL first. Jaguars strength coast coach Kevin Maxson has come out of the closet. This is the first, basically, NFL person, really, besides uh, the that, uh, oh, what was his name? The guy who got drafted by the, by the Rams. He was pretty good, but fell in the draft because... Anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, the first, I guess, coach, first strength coach, major U.S. men's pro sports, gay guy. Good for him. <laughs> Good for him for coming out. Give him a round with me. It's good because it signifies an exact change in the Jaguars offense and team in general. We already knew, of course, that Urban Meyer sucked, but to see this new regime bring in a guy who's comfortable in his own skin. That can only mean good things for the rest of the team as well. Confidence in the coaching staff leads to confidence in the players. The Jaguars are in great hands with Doug Peterson and company. Uh, and you just truly love to see this stuff. You love to see people confident in themselves and be able to share who they really are. So congratulations, Kevin. Congratulations, Jaguars. Everyone listening, do we have any questions? That was today's news. Let me see. <laughs> Jay says, damn it, Jason, in response to, I assume, Daenerys Prince. Um, buy low while you can on Kyle Pitts. This is true. I agree. I agree. I think Algier is a value in Dynasty and a run first offense. I think I think so, too. I think he has a value as well. Not just because Bijan Robinson could, of course, get hurt and Algier will be a workhorse again like he was last year, but also because he's going to get volume. I mean, we saw Tyler Algier run for 1,000 yards, but we also saw Caleb Huntley have a few decent fantasy relevant games as the backup. We saw Avery Williams do some stuff. We saw, of course, Cordero Patterson do some stuff. So yeah, Bijan Robinson's going to get the lion's share. But Tyler Algier getting a rushing touchdown here and there, running for 40, 50 yards a game, 
never out of the question. So yeah, Tyler Algier is definitely a good player. Um, do, do, do. Go ahead and go on down. What percent likely Pacheco takes the pass catching role to? I'm going to put it at, I don't think he'll take the pass catching role per se, but he will catch some passes for sure. As you can see in the playoffs last year, his pass catching usage went up. He was getting mostly used in the screen game or just running running some flats and catching it and uh, utilizing his yards after the catch ability. I expect a ton more of that. I don't know how much of a good route runner he is, but will he get some dump offs and stuff? Yes, I do think so. But I do still think that like Jarek McKinnon will go out there for some exclusive passing down work. I'm sure Clyde Edwards Hilaire will have a couple of those as well. But I do think Isaiah Pacheco will get some pass catches for sure. Give him like, I don't know. I bet he could average like two receptions a game, maybe two or three targets a game and see what he could happen with that. And I think that that is plenty. I think that is plenty. Uh, so yeah, Isaiah Pacheco is going to catch some passes, but I don't know if he'll necessarily take the pass catching role overall. All right, guys, Harry Snowman makes a great point. 30 of you guys are watching and we only have seven likes so far. Let's bring that number up. Thank you all for tuning in. That's what I've got for you. You all have a wonderful Friday. Have a fantastic weekend. Thanks for tuning in. You guys were a fantastic audience. I'm Jason. This was Wake and Take. Peace.